Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And joining me now on the Wizards Talk podcast is a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. Michael Lee is now the NBA senior writer for The Athletic. First of all, brother, congratulations on the new gig. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, it's the same time. Uh, let's get right to it. You're somebody that uh, covered this Wizards beat with me for many, many years. Yes, what, indeed. Uh, what do you make of this 2-8 and eight start to the season with this current construction of this team? Um, it's really discouraging um, because you saw, you know, potential with this group. You saw an upside with this group that was rooted in their youth and the expected maturity and growth of the two young stars. Um, you hope that the, there would be pieces that would form around the duo um, and eventually, um, you know, allow this franchise to ascend because, you know, getting John Wall and Bradley Bill, that was, you know, I guess sort of the plan, you know, obviously to be bad, um, just kind of go through some lean years. And then the reward would be that you find some franchise building blocks and you go forward and, uh, you just see where, how high they can go. Um, over the last couple of years, the highest they can go is game seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals, and that isn't enough, you know, um, for what you know what was to be expected of this group. And it's right now to be two and eight, to be one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference, to not have any chemistry, to, to especially when you have continuity. You know, they probably had greater continuity than you know any team in the East. You know, and with LeBron being gone, it seemed like a window for them to maybe not join the elite, but at least you know get people's attention to maybe look that way. But now people are looking this the Washington's direction for all the wrong reasons. You know, people keep going back to um, when the Wizards started 2-8 and eight with Scott Brooks in his first year and then ultimately went to 49 wins and got to that Game 7, as you said, against Boston and the Eastern Conference semis. My counter to that is that was three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of things have happened and a lot of things have changed in terms of the schematics of their offense, uh, yes. bringing in new people. So I don't necessarily subscribe to, oh, they're 2-8 and eight like they were a couple of years ago. They'll be fine. I still think there's plenty of time left, Michael, with it being 72 games. But I have chronicled several times in the first 10 games about the bad habits that this team yes. has. And they put it on display uh, more times than not. And that first half against the Dallas Mavericks... Um, I, I don't know if you can get any more disengaged defensively 
than they have. Well, and the game against Oklahoma City before Oklahoma, that. <laughs> that's where I'm saying about like the bad habits. And we'll get into the defense in a moment, though. But, Michael, it's not just one thing that they have to fix. There are several things that they have to fix. And I'm curious to know, what's like the first thing you think this team has to do to get this thing turned around? Because there's now a stretch, I think, of about five games where you have the opportunity to get right. Yeah, well, before I answer your question, the one thing I do want to kind of piggyback on is just when you said that this isn't like what happened uh, two seasons ago when they started 2-8. and eight. Because, one, you got to remember, John Wall was recovering from knee surgery, right. right? So he was still trying to get his legs back under him. And Bradley Bill, if I'm not mistaken, missed a couple of games, maybe like four or five games during that stretch. So they, they didn't have a healthy John, and they didn't have Brad for a stretch of that. So a lot of their problems were understandable and acceptable. This year, they are completely unacceptable, even if you include that Dwight Howard, you know, missed the first um, six games or so uh, as he recovered from his uh, butt injury or whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, I think that the thing that they have to do is just actually give some sort of effort. You know, uh, you shouldn't ask for this, you know, 10 games into the season. But one of the things that I think has been disappointing from the Wizards in all of their losses is that there just doesn't seem to be any type of effort given, um, not just on the defensive end, but just playing playing hard, you know, playing for each other, you know, trying to make the extra play, you know, trying to make the extra pass, trying to, you know, have your uh, teammates back if they slip on defense. It's just kind of been like, a, um, you know, a free-for-all where everybody goes for theirs and there's just no cohesion. You know, that, that to me has been the real issue. And I think one of the things that, you know, with continuity, that can be good is that, you know, you know each other, you're familiar with each other, you know the system. But the downside of that is that you may get to the point where, you know, you're just sick of being around each other. And that's the body language that they give off when they're on the court. That may not necessarily be the case behind the scenes, but they don't look like a group of guys who enjoy playing basketball with each other, who really want to give it all for each other. When you look at the teams that are successful, the teams that are winning um, consistently, you look at Golden State. You know, you know that those guys are playing hard for each other, that they'll have each other's backs, and that they're having fun. This looks like a joyless slog. Like, we have to play basketball today. Okay, let's just go out there and play. There doesn't seem to be any passion in it. That's got to come from leadership. Right. It's not on Scott Brooks. That's got to be on John. That's got to be on Brad. They have to get these guys fired up to play basketball, to compete and to show some, display some pride out there on the court. And that's what's missing to me, first and foremost, with the squad. And I thought something was amiss after the Sacramento game where the leadership group, as you mentioned, of John and Brad were calling out teammates. And I'm like, wait a minute. It is way too early in the season for that. I appreciate, there's a part of me that appreciates, Michael, the leadership group saying, come on, y'all. We, we, we can't be hunting for our own shots. We can't be doing our own thing. But the problem is, is when you put that narrative out there five games in, you, you got a long season ahead. And I, I, my concern is guys kind of looking at them sideways in the locker room. But again, there's 72 games left. I want to move on to something that is not only a Wizards issue, but it's a league issue. It is defense. Michael, the NBA right now as a whole, teams are averaging 112 points per game. Now, put this in perspective with Washington. Washington has allowed at least 112 points in eight of their first 10 games. Now, our good friend and colleague Brian Winters of ESPN wrote a really good article about how defensive coaches are in a conundrum. They're scratching their head trying to figure out 
what to do because the scoring is as high as it's been since the 70-71 season. When you look at it as a whole and you're watching league pass and you're not just watching Washington but other teams, where do you think the difficulty is right now in this early part of the season trying to figure out how to get stops? Well, I think guys are trying to figure out how to defend um, right now. You know, with all the freedom of movement, you know, um, a lot of calls, a lot of whistles are being blown for ticky-tack things, um, reaching in, um, you know, so guys don't know where they can go and what they can do, you know, to kind of uh, be physical out there because everything's being called. So you've seen a whole lot of parades to the to the uh, to the cup. You know, you see a lot of guys just unimpededly driving into for layups, and um, and obviously teams are shooting more threes, so that makes it difficult. I think one of the things you're seeing is that everybody sort of bit uh, the Golden State Warriors and Houston Rockets because they they switch defensively and they do it so often. But you have to have the personnel to switch. You can't just say switch. Right. Because it's sort of a lazy way of defending because you're not committing yourself to, you know, man, you ball, you know, and that's how we learned in high school. You know, you, you know, you stick with your guy and you man up and you make sure he doesn't get by you. Um, and now it's tougher, but also with so many teams that switch off pick and rolls, um, you're at a liability because you find that one weakness and you just attack that. And I, I just think that's, that's one of the issues you have. And obviously the pace teams are shooting, you know, so early in the shot clock now that you don't really have a chance to get set in your defense um, as you probably did in the past. So I think a lot of um, teams that may not be that good can sort of steal a couple of wins just because they're playing at this crazy pace and they're hitting shots. But if you're missing shots and they come early in the shot clock and there's one pass or there's um, no passes on each possession, after a while, guys would probably get fed up and be like, well, why am I running down the court, you know, if I'm not going to touch the ball? Yeah. And you want me to defend and rebound so I can get it to you so you can shoot it once you get it up the floor? And I think that's sort of what you're seeing. To me, that's what I'm seeing with the Wizards is that this pace that they're playing at, um, it may not necessarily be what's best to build, you know, um, the kind of camaraderie that's needed to compete. We're talking with Michael Lee, NBA senior writer for The Athletic here on the Wizards Talk podcast. Michael, as you know, we have talked um, in the past about my how I romanticize about 90s basketball and how much I appreciate it. You check me yeah. every, I know. You check me every time going, oh, that was disgusting basketball. Michael, Terrible. I wish we had 90s basketball right now. I think it's just too much scoring. I, I, I feel like we've gotten to this point where it's almost, why don't we just play – you know, you score, I score. Why just play half court? Because it's got to be with nobody. Nobody. And this is not a shot at just Washington. This is league-wide. Defense yeah, every- is so bad right now that it's like, okay, I guess people like the scoring and the aspect of it, but you play basketball. I played it. You know, you got to be able to do it on both ends. And Exactly. I, it, it's. I hope this is something that's going to kind of level off as the season goes on. But man, I believe it will. I think, think if will? you look at if you look at week to week numbers scoring, um, it's been going down uh, gradually each week. And I think one of the things you're going to see is you're going to see coaches sort of um, when when their seats start getting a little warm, they're going to start tightening the range a little bit because it's easy to say throw at the ball, let the guys play, and, and get shots up quick in the shot clock. But when you start losing games and getting your head smashed in, you're going to have to make some adjustments. Um, so I think that you'll see as the season goes on. The teams that can play at this pace and succeed at it will stay there. The teams that are finding struggles, you know, trying to, you know, keep it up, 
they'll slow it down and um, they'll, they'll they'll settle down. Um, just the, the scoring will go down and they'll, they'll be more committed to the defensive end. But I think a lot of factors are committed into the scoring. Like I said, the whole freedom of movement, yeah. um, the fact that guys don't know how the game is being called, they'll figure that stuff out. But I also think that coaches eventually will start getting a little edgy. They'll try to figure out ways that they can really prove their value and their worth and that comes from slowing the game down and running plays. All right, I want to talk about a couple teams, uh, and then I want to ask you about the uh, All-Star game. Now the draft will be televised, and then I want to get into uh, that team in Durham and what you saw in that game against Kentucky. Um, <laughs> before we do that, in the East, true or false, Toronto's the best team in the East? Uh, yes, true, very tell, true. Tell me why. Um, the reason why is because this was a 59-win team last year that – Lost to Martin Rosen, but replaced him with not just Kawhi Leonard, but with Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. So you added two defensive-minded players to a team that was already one of the top defensive teams, but somehow crumbled in the playoffs. You now have championship pedigree on your roster. You have guys who have done it and know what it takes to get to that next level. And you have a crew that is so deep, that have so much depth that they can now win games without him. Boston is a team that I think could eventually, you know, catch them, but they're still trying to figure out how to make it work with so many offensive weapons. The the, um, the Raptors seem to be just, you know, uh, just a smooth machine right now. They can win whether Kawhi sits or doesn't. And like I said, you talk about defense. Um, when Kawhi's on the floor and he's and he's up against your best offensive player, you can feel confident that Kawhi's probably going to get the upper hand. Well, my contention was after watching them play Boston early in the season. After that game, I made the declaration on this podcast where I said I think Toronto is the best team in the East. And then they came back the next night and played Washington here, and I had a chance to see him up close with Kawhi taking the night off. And then they literally switched um, two pieces, well, three pieces, really, of their starting lineup. So yeah. in back-to-back nights, Nick Nurse literally was like, who wants to play basketball tonight and can put another five out there? I'm with you. I think their depth, their quality depth, and the fact that they can do it on both ends of the floor makes them a very good team. Um, I, I I like Boston, but I'm not in love with Boston. I, I've seen enough of them where I think their defense um, has been their staple for the last couple of years. Um, I'm not so sure about them, but I think if they both played each other in a seven game, I would take Toronto. Let me ask you, you're up in Philly now. I want to get your take on the Sixers as a whole, in particular someone that you know that I – I keep an eye on a lot, and that's uh, yeah. Mark Hill Fultz. Yeah. Michael, can this get figured out with, with, with this young man and what Brett Brown is doing with him, having him start uh, start games and then have J.J. Reddick come in? Can this be sustainable over the course of this season? Um, not Probably not long-term uh, until Mark Hill proves that you know, he warrants the investment in time. I, I do appreciate what Philly's doing. I like the fact that they're giving Markell a chance to sink or swim while they're still trying to maintain their relevance in the Eastern Conference. It's a very risky thing to do. They could very easily just say, you're not ready, so we're not going to play you. But what they're like, we know that it's for this team to really take the next step. We're going to need you to be special, just like Ben and, and Joel have proven to be special. Um, and it's a challenge for uh, Markell right now because he's basically going through his rookie year figuring out what he can do and what he can't do, and he's still trying to overcome whatever it is that's been holding him back, whether it's the yips or something else that's blocking him from playing at the level that everyone got used to seeing him play, especially at Washington. Um, The main issue that they're they're discovering is that with Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz on the floor, 
you have two guys who either can't or refuse to shoot. And that's a problem no matter what it is, whatever the problem is. Um, so if you have two guys who will, who will not shoot the ball and catch and shoot situations, that's going to disrupt what you do as an offense because Joel's going to command a double team. If he kicks it out to a guy and he can't just release, that creates the problems, and that's what they're facing right now. So I think eventually if Markel can't prove to be a dynamic player in the starting lineup, he'll eventually have to put uh, J.J. Reddick back in the starting lineup let Markel run the second unit as a point guard, which is what he is. He needs the ball in his hands. Um, and then just go from there. Um, I think they'll eventually settle into that. But for now, I do like the fact that they are investing in Markel because we've seen it a lot of times. You have a number one pick and he's not really, you know, jump out the gate good um, and you just give up on him. Um, I appreciate the fact that they're letting Markel figure out what he can do. Um, but there is a time limit on that. And I figure it'll probably be 20 games or so before they say, okay, enough of this. We'll let you figure it out with the second unit. See, here's the problem, Michael. They have invested into Simmons so much with him having the ball in his hand. Mark Hill has to have the ball in his hand also. I don't think long-term those two together is going to fit. And I'm hearing up in Philly that the Embiid-Simmons um, duo uh, – they're not as tight as people think they are. and They're I'm not tight at all. Yeah, they're, 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 when they're two different get cats. Yeah, they're different ahead. cats. But carry on, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm curious to see how Brett Brown can make all of that work. I still feel like they need uh, – I don't know if it's Jimmy Butler, but I still think that they need a third piece that um, Absolutely. Can, can, can do it on both ends. And that leads me into <laughs> the stuff out west. And we got to start with Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Michael, they yeah. went to the Lakers last night and got beat. And all I think about is Jimmy Butler in that practice where it was reported that he told all the people that wanted to hear him, you need me, you can't win without me. Well, the dude's been out on the floor when he wants to play, and they're still getting their brains beat in. So my question is, is where does Jimmy Butler end up? He should already be in Miami or anywhere else right now. He should not be playing basketball for Minnesota. He should have put his Timberwolves jersey you know, um, in the closet to never be worn again. I think it's a mess. It's sort of um, a terrible situation to have him on the floor and it's not doing anything to uplift the spirit of Carl Anthony Towns, who only signed the extension because he thought that that guy was gone. To bring him back on the floor, to have any possible um, effect or influence, negative influence on the guys who you've invested $340 million into, mm-hmm. I think it's a bad thing because he's gone at the end of the year no matter what. He's not staying with you long term. Get what you can for him now. Move forward with what you have, and then try to see what you what what they are. Why would because, they, Why would they not make the deal with Houston, who are offering all of those first round picks? To me, that just seemed like listen, that's a lot of future. Well, I, I can see not making have. that. I cannot. I can see not making that deal um, in in your conference. You know, I, I can see that. Um, if I if I'm trading Jimmy, I'm trying to trade him to the East. That way, I don't have to deal with him. Um, you know, and I think if you're a team that's trying to make it to the playoffs in the in the West, trade them to Houston. You know, basically concedes any kind of hope being a playoff team, or at least competing when you get there. In my opinion, uh, they just lost to Houston in the playoffs. So, um, I, but if he winds up there, fine. I, I I feel like it's reached a stage where they just have to c- cut bait because him picking and choosing when he plays, yeah, um, yeah. and just like kind of acting like he runs the show. It sends a bad message to everyone else on the team, and it's not really playing out the way uh, Tibbs probably would want. 
because guys are looking around, looking at Jimmy like, so Jimmy can just walk into practice when he wants to. Play when everybody he out, Right, that's Call us out in an interview um, and then just act like everything's all cool when it's not. Like, everyone knows that it's not cool. Um, but I don't know why Tibbs is, is committing to this. If I, if I were the owner of the, of the Timberwolves, I'm like Tibbs, hey, man, trade this dude or resign. Because we can't, we right. can't have this. Yeah. We, we, I just committed 190 million dollars to Anthony Towns because y'all told me that I needed to pay him because he's the future. And you brought in the guy that he least likes in the NBA, and you're making him play with him. To explain to me why that, why that helps him, it doesn't do anything for Anthony Towns. He looks like he's a defeated man. This was a third team All NBA player, mm-hmm. an All Star last year, who's getting destroyed in every matchup that he. Um, goes into every night. He does not look like the exact same player that he was last year. He should be moving up. His his career arc should be, you know, trending, you know, t- towards you know, really become superstar. Right now, he's not even he's not even coming close to earning his his, his keep out there. Yeah, get and that, that man out of there, Michael. Get him out of there. It's so funny to me that Wizards fans was hitting me up on Twitter, and when they see me in the streets, they were like, "Man, we need to go get Jimmy Butler." I said, "Listen." This is before this is before the Wizards started two and eight. I said, be careful what you wish for, and, and this is why I love fans. I love them. You know, they see quick fixes, and I'm like, you bring that guy into your locker room right now, as the way this locker room is going right now. As the late Flip Saunders once said, what did he tell us, Michael? Like, just when you think things can Don't get better, think it can't get any worse. Yeah, it so, can. Shout out to Flip. Uh, rest in peace. All right, let's move All on. Right. LeBron in L.A., uh, they beat Minnesota last night, and we got a chance to see Tyson Chandler. Michael, tell me why I am intrigued with a JaVale McGee-Tyson Chandler one-two punch at the center position for L.A. Because you see in Tyson what JaVale was supposed to be, mm-hmm. and you see you know the athleticism and just really JaVale is coming to his own this year. He's playing the best basketball of his career, in my opinion. I think he's looking like a more complete player. The time in Golden State has been great for him. He has two rings now. I think he's not really as concerned about what people think of him out there on the floor. Um, he's not as uh, scared of making mistakes. Um, I think it's been a great uh, situation for him being in L.A., mainly because he grew up there. His mom played at the Sparks, he, you know, Befriended Shaq while he was out there, so I think he's at home. Uh, it's probably the most comfortable I've seen him out there on the floor. But then you add Tyson Chandler, one of the smartest guys in the game, um, a guy who just knows everything that he can get away with and everything that everyone else can get away with, and he can just be a great communicator on the defensive end. He's a great pickup considering um, he fits what LeBron typically needs, and that veteran guy can come in and just play his role and not get anybody's way. So that's a pretty solid tandem. Uh, I think it was a great pickup by the Lakers. And it's good that Tyson can go back sort of home. He's not necessarily from L.A. He did go to high school in Compton. But um, but I think it would be good for him to, to play for something after being uh, buried in Phoenix for the last couple of years. All right. So the league announced uh, yesterday that the NBA All-Star Draft will be televised. The All-Star Game is February 17, 2019 in the beautiful, great city of Charlotte, North Carolina, home <laughs> of the 6-2 and two Carolina Panthers that will go 7-2 and two later tonight when they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I digress. Uh, Michael, uh, the league constantly is listening to their paying customers. This is something that everyone wanted to see last year. They didn't do it, but they are doing it this year. 
Tell me why the NBA All-Star Draft being televised will be must-see TV, and who would you want this year to be the captains? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it won't happen, but it would be cool if it was like Joel Embiid in the East yes, and, and Russell Westbrook in the West. Yes! Because, you know, Joel likes to talk a lot of trash, um, and I just love to hear him be little guys as he's picking them. Um, <laughs> Especially and, if know, he had to pick like Andre Drummond to be like the backup, he'd be like, "No, moving yeah, on." Yeah, like I'm not picking Scrubs, so I would not pick Andre <laughs> Drummond. You know, or, or or seeing Russ totally avoid every warrior. Yes. And just like, <laughs> like Steph, Katie, you're right there, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, let me get." Uh, uh, Anybody else but. Because <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny is like he was so in his feelings last year when they told him that he was last. And then they had to tell him, no, dude, you were last because your last name is Westbrook. W, so, yeah. w. so he would totally be in his feelings, especially about anybody from Golden State. You think he would pick yeah. KD? You don't think he would, do you? Do I think he'd pick KD? Do you think he would pick him? No way. No, not, no, no at, at all? Not if, it was, oh. not if it was televised. Heck no. Do you think he, he would allow Oklahoma City fans to see him uh, let the words Kevin Durant come across his lips? Oh, well, what if he wrote it down on a piece of paper and just showed the camera? Just didn't say his name, but just wrote it down. Mate, man, that'd be the only way he'd be, be able to ask way. Kevin Durant. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> like the only happen. way he would save face if he just wrote it up or had somebody else yeah, write it. Or have somebody, it else, have somebody else come in and be like, as he's getting ready to pick um, uh, uh, Kimball Walker, you know, somebody's like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Kevin Durant still available. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let me get let me get let me get my former teammate. Right. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna get you out with this one. Um, so, <sighs> unfortunately, the, the the school from Durham has a. Uh, this is hard to. talk. I don't even know why I'm bringing this up. Michael, they look dominant. One eighteen eighty four. Unbelievable. Just an incredible performance against the yeah. boys from Kentucky. As I was joking with a, a Kentucky alum that you and I both know, I'm like, man, y'all look like uh, Sister Agnes of the Poor out there against uh, that team from Durham. Michael, it's one game, but how good are those freshmen? They're good enough that if the Wizards continue looking this lousy, there might be a payoff in the end. <laughs> wow. Um, this this is these, They have two truly special dynamic players. I know everybody is blown away by Zion Williamson because he's just like a Mack truck. You know, um, I decide, I, did, I compared him to like, um, uh, if Rodney Rogers was, Absolutely. Uh, if he no, had bounced like that, he would look just like that. I'm with you. No, no, no. Like if Rodney, Rod, Rodney Rogers was a landline, then, um, Zion Williamson is an iPhone. <laughs> like this is next level phone like you can do so much stuff with this now like you you got this incredible foundation but this dude can jump out the gym you know and uh his shot isn't necessarily there but physically he could be just an imposing threat so i'm, I'm all in on zion as being like a, i mean once he develops a shot but physically he's just gonna destroy teams because he's just like in high school he's like a man against boys he's still a man against boys um on this level and I, i'm a big guy on rj barrett too um, he just reminds me uh, everything that I think Canada basketball had hoped Andrew Wiggins would be. Um, he's a true baller. You know, he goes out there and he really gives it his all. Um, and his thing is that he's so good that if he was on his own team, we would be hyping him up 
to like the nth degree. Right. But the fact that he's on the same squad with Zion, he kind of gets to dominate without having all the pressure on him. So it's even better. So I, I, they just they got you know Trey Jones and um uh was the kid is it Reddish? Cam Reddish is my favorite. I I like oh, him. Gosh. I like him just because he is. Uh, he can shoot it. He's he's long. Uh, I saw him um, last year drop forty in a holiday tournament in Dematha, and it was like an easy forty. I mean, I mean, when I talk like a high school forty, it was easy. And he might be their third best player. I know that's that was crazy. Yeah. yeah, Coach K. I mean, you know, he 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 got he got a crew, man. He got like a fast five ish, you know. Um, he, he, he I, I, if they don't win the championship this year, uh, some, something's going to be wrong. We well, have to start calling out Coach K. Let's say he lost it. This is what I, I said the other night, Michael, about this team and how dominant they are. People have to cons- remember this. They're 17 and 18 year old kids who are going to be top three, top five in the NBA. And we saw Duke's team last year. Now, this team, I think, is better, but we Much saw. Better. We saw Things started going sideways, even with all that talent. They couldn't guard you or me out there. They play, I have never seen that school in Durham play as much zone defense last year as they did last year. But this team, if they can stay focused and use their abilities as one to try to go out and try to go for a perfect season maybe or just at least cut nets, uh, they have a chance. But when those individual agendas get involved, that's when you start seeing some 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 pulling. I don't see that happening with this group, man. They got some killers, man. Well, we'll see what happens when they come down uh, to to the Dean Dome. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not conce- I'm not I'm not conceding anything. Uh, okay. Uh, you know how I am, Michael. I'd be, right be darned if I'm gonna sit here and crown them. I won't do. I understand, you know, <laughs> your emotions and uh, your rooting interest. But I'm just telling you as uh, a man who has seen what I've seen. <laughs> I saw it, too, and I ain't scared of There, I said it. <laughs> Michael, thank right. you so much for your time. Michael Lee joining us here on the Wizards Talk podcast. Michael, uh, we will catch up with you down the road, man. Hopefully next time that we talk, we'll have better stuff to talk about with the Wizards. And uh, uh, it can only get better, right? No, remember as the, as, uh, um, the coach Flip Saunders just said, only it can't get any worse because it can. <laughs> Appreciate your time, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Right, Appreciate right. it. Belonging has its benefits. Sign up at commuterconnections.org to join trusted professionals just like yourself who want to share a ride to work. It's free, and you'll find potential matches for your daily commute. Ride sharing saves you on average $22 a day. That's a truckload of savings. Register today for this free service at commuterconnections.org and start experiencing all the benefits of belonging. That's commuterconnection.org or you can call 800-745-RIDE. That's 800-745-RIDE. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for the Soul Talk edition of the Wizards Talk podcast. And with that, I bring in my guy, uh, Producer T. Stroh. That's his handle, at Producer T. Stroh. We're going to talk about some heat that's in the streets this holiday season. What's up, Terrence? What's going on? It's time to uplift these Wizards fan spirits. Talk about some of this holiday heat. All right, well, let's talk about some of this heat out here. Let's start with our good friend, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, who is now a member of the Puma family. Yes, he is. We got some sneaker news and notes. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins' new ad just launched on Instagram where there's a picture of him with the Puma saying, 
this wouldn't have happened in Pumas. So I guess the Marcus and the Puma organization taking a shot at Nike, obviously referring to his Achilles injury. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> taking shots on the way out. That's just Boogie. Okay. Boogie uh, getting technicals when he's in street clothes, so he might as well take shots at his former uh, sneaker employer, if you will. True, true. Uh, let's get to Cardi B. She signs with Reebok? Yeah, she signed a good deal with Reebok. She's uh, right now promoting the... Cardi B, uh, the Reebok Ashtrack line. Um, you can see her on Instagram. She's got 35 million followers. So when you got 35 million followers on Instagram, yeah, I think Reebok saw the writing on the wall for Is, a promotional outfit for them. I have a question for you, and this has absolutely nothing to do with the sneakers. Is Nicki Minaj one of her followers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering. I have no idea. I'm going to check. I'm going to go look. When we're done with this podcast, I'm going to go look and see if Nicki Minaj is one of her followers. But I'm just curious. The, the, the whole, Can we just stop the that The whole beef, beef uh, and you know what's going to happen? Both of them going to drop. They're going to drop an album together. Watch. Yeah, there you go. That's a good drop a, moment. Come and, together. And they Come together, drop a couple tracks. Multiply the Twitter and Instagram followers yeah. and make a whole bunch of money together. And then you can go to one of these music award shows, come out together, hold hands. Let 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 the Twitterverse take it as you know, kumbaya. We back together. I doubt that's gonna happen. Probably not. All right, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about the uh, the Adidas Yeezy Boost uh, V two Zebras. When yes, the Zebras were supposed to come out November 9th. Actually, they are coming out November 9th globally, but in the U S. November sixteenth. So a lot of get people looking for those shoes. You don't have to wait an extra week in the U S. Okay. Unless you feel like going overseas and copping a pair. Well, I'm bringing them back. Call our guy Sato. Have Sato call his people over there. Who Maybe. Do that? Let's get into some of this Christmas Day heat. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing these Kyrie 5 Black Magics on Thanksgiving Day. They drop Thanksgiving Day. A um, lot of good things dropping around Thanksgiving Day, Black Friday for y'all. Uh, Jordan 12 Jim Reds dropped Black Friday for the women. Jordan 11 of Olive Lux drop on Black Friday. Under Armour got the Curry 5s dropping on Black Friday. And then the best shoe ever made, Terrence. I'm just going <laughs> to say it right now before you even say it. For any yes, of you sneakerheads. We know you're waiting on them. The greatest shoe sneaker ever made drops, <laughs> Terrence. So go ahead. Let me give you a drum roll. Jordan 11 Concords, December 8th. I'm sure C-Mill going to cop by three or four pairs at his little uh, foot locker. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> you got to get at least three pairs because you're going to well, want one for yourself. And then, you know, Mick and Don going <laughs> to. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> when you have sons that have the same shoe size as you do, these jerks. <laughs> I, I, let me just tell these people real quick what happened to me, Terrence. So I'm on the road for this Wizards five-game, ten-day road trip out west. I come back, and I have my sneakers out, you know, in order. I, ha I have a certain way of how I like my sneakers, right? Man, I walked into my closet, and I went, wait a minute. That's missing. They're not there. That's gone. Man, it was like four or five pair gone. <laughs> gone. Now, you know me. I had a, a few pair with me on the road. Purchased a couple. Uh, I I know what my stuff looks like. So, of course, neither one of them were home. One was at school, the other one was at work. That's a group text. Which one of you stole my shoes? 
and didn't have the audacity just to bring him back. <laughs> See, my, my, my youngest son, he's disrespectful. At least my oldest, he used to take my shoes and he put them back. If the shoelaces were on, he, he had them night where you couldn't figure it out. This other joker. Donovan, take them, wear them, and don't bring them back. Take them, wear them, post them on his Instagram, and keep them in his room. That's just disrespectful. And don't forget, ball in them. Ball. Man, don't get me telling these people about the time he balled in my shoes and it was about to be a misunderstanding. But, uh, yeah, so the Jordan 11 Concords, which are going to have the actual 45 on the back of them, the original Concords had the number 23, so that's going to be the, the, the deciding factor on me getting them because, as you know, Terrence, I know people in D.C. try to forget that he played here, but he did play here, and he did wear the number 45. People need to quit tripping off of that, by the way. How many pair of them are you getting? I'm just getting one pair. Just one? The only pair I need is one. All right. I got I got three young girls who will never wear a size 14. Yeah, you good. <laughs> you clean. You ain't got no worries. Ain't nobody wearing your shoes but you. I got a three-year-old and the twins turn one in a few days. So I'm so far along. All right, let's get out of here on this. I, once you get a little shout-out, who you want to give a shout-out to? Uh, let's give a shout-out. Um, we just said farewell out to October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Shout-out to all the women and their families and loved ones dealing with that terrible disease. Please, ladies, go out and get checked. Uh, we are in November now, so we honor our veterans. Shout-out to my pops, my uncles, cousins, my best man. All of them serve. Um, Shout-out to everybody who served in our armed forces. Um, and coming up, actually dropping November 8th today, um, Under Armour and Dwayne Rock Johnson just dropped their blood, sweat, and respect line for Veterans Day. It's out now. Um, everything from shoes to apparel, backpacks, um, part of, is all a part of Under Armour's Freedom Initiative to support those protecting in the U.S. And a million dollars in resources have been pledged to help first responders and their families. This year's collection is inspired by the 100th anniversary of World War One. Wow. Shout out to The Rock for that. Um, and I concur on everything that you said, brother in October and November. We are done on this edition of the Wizards Talk podcast. Thank you to Michael Lee from The Athletic. Thanks to my producer, Terrence, who's going to buy me those pair of 11 Concord Jordans for Christmas. <laughs> he just doesn't know it yet. I'm Chris Miller. We will see you after the Wizards game against the Orlando Magic tomorrow night. Hopefully we'll be talking about a win because then they take their talents after they leave Orlando and they go down to South Florida and take on the Heat before coming back home next Monday to take on Orlando again. Thanks for listening to this latest edition of the Wizards Talk Podcast. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.